On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by one half of Sportsnet's Tim and Sid's dynamic duo, basketball head and Michael Jordan fan, Tim McAuliffe. We talk about the challenges of preparing for a daily sports show with no sports going on, the biggest winner and loser of the 10-part documentary series, The Last Dance, the best part of working at the score, and how a former European hockey player helped Tim survive a four-hour-plus flight to Calgary after having his tooth explode just after takeoff. This is the Big O Podcast. All right, Tim, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Uh, we're getting close to uh, the witching hour in my house, so the two kids got to go to bed soon. But uh, we are uh, we're in uh, we're in shutter down mode now around the house. So Fair enough. How is the uh, final game of Fortnite for your son? Uh, he's doing okay right now. Uh, it's it's still early days. I'll let you know. For those <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, my son is playing Fortnite duos with his buddy right now, right in front of me. So right behind the camera that I'm talking to Julian and there is uh, there's a little Fortnite action going on. Now, obviously with, you know, the craziness of COVID-19 and where we're at right now, you know, people are doing a lot of different things that they weren't used to doing. Um, spending a lot more time at home, working from home. <laughs> you showed me your setup before we went on and it's like the war room for the NFL draft day. What's been the biggest, uh, I guess, change for you or thing to get used to for you during this time uh doing during a national show with your son playing nba 2k <laughs> or Fortnite in the background um nah you know what like uh, a lot of it for us is is similar there are more distractions doing it at home you know the kids not having school those kind of things like i i used to as soon as the kids went to school at 9 a.m i would start on my day and now you know i'm doing gym class and math class from uh, <laughs> from nine o'clock till around noon, so like three hours of the research that I would normally do, I can't do. But there's less sports, so uh, it's not as if I have to, you know, catch up on the games that I missed last night or uh, whatever the case may be. So there's a there's a couple of different you know give and takes, but I mean the the radio shows that we were doing uh, three hours sports shows with no sports was like. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been the toughest work that I've ever done in my life. Like we're starting to see a little bit of you know action right now. We're starting to see a little bit of talk around the sports that we love, so it's getting a little easier. But those three hour shows, man, like I've never worked so hard <laughs> in my life. So, so I mean, going into that, how, like, how have you prepared for that? Obviously, again, you're not doing the same research that you would be doing. But how are you and Sid sort of coming up with the concept of how you're going to fill that time, obviously with guests and stuff, but but how, how do you prepare for that? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were just, there'd be a couple of uh, subplot kind of stories that we would have, whatever the day was. Um, if it was an anniversary of something, we would, you know, start talking about that. I think we had like... Uh, you know, things like on this day in history, uh, Griffey went back to back with his dad. So we would, that right. would start up a conversation about who had the best swing and what's the craziest, you know, uh, <laughs> father son combination in sports history and stuff like that. So every day we kind of find one or two of those and then just go with the flow on the guests. But, um, 
there's no blue like everyone like everyone is going through right now there's no blueprint for anything that we're doing right now whether it be uh teachers teaching their kids or sportscasters or athletes there's there's no blue or podcasters there's no blueprint you just you just go right so it's kind of for me it's good because i'm an over preparer so it's kind of been freeing in a way like i've kind of seen a different side of myself that i um you know i've always been like prided myself on copious notes and being super prepared for everything and now there's no preparation and it took me a while like it took me a couple of weeks to kind of pull out of that mode and just go with it but uh, i feel like i might i might be able to help myself throughout all this i might actually improve <laughs> crazy right yeah <laughs> i mean you, you're finding you obviously have to figure out a different way right yeah. like, there, like there's no blueprint to, to how anyone's going to do this obviously i mean there's some great talking points with you know the last dance just finishing i mean that's got the nba world a buzzing yeah um yeah. did you did you end up catching the the 10-part series yeah yeah we uh i feel like i feel like there is there is a part of me like one it was amazing uh yeah two i'm a jordan guy uh okay three um i recognize that it's difficult for people to accept uh the subject of the documentary having final say on the documentary. Um, right. <laughs> and I understand there are some biases, but who gives a bleep because it was entertaining as hell, uh, regardless. But yeah. And you had to know that coming in, right? Like you had to know that it was going to go this yeah. way. Yeah. And, and, but the one thing I'll say is like, and, and I'm a, like, I'm a head, like I'm a, I love basketball. I love, but it felt like there were way too many people acting like, I was watching this. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. We all shared in it, and it's nice because there's no sports to share in something. But there was like, I'm watching this. Like, I, yeah. I felt like it was a new <laughs> phenomenon for a documentary. And kids who were like, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? Can I ask you? Am I allowed um, to ask you? Yeah, 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 for sure, man. I'm 30. I'm 31. You're 31? Yeah. So Jordan's like, I mean... You're still pretty young when Jordan's in his prime, right? Yeah, I'm. I grew up a Kobe guy because I grew right. up a Laker fan. So I grew up like the. I didn't really get into basketball until 2000. So I've missed right. the whole Jordan stretch. I knew about it, but I didn't right. know all of the nuances until right. I got a little bit older and fell in love with basketball. Right, and I, so I, I heard like you know like 20 somethings like I'm down with this, and I'm like, hold on a second, <laughs> like I get it, like we all want to be a part of something. That's why probably why we gravitate to sports is kind of to feel like we belong. But there was just there was like so many announcements about how I was watching this and how oh, I'm yeah. cool for watching this. And I just I was like after a while, I was like, all right, enough. We're all watching <laughs> it. Like every one of us is watching this. So I want to ask you, uh, you said you're a Jordan guy. So I know that this may be biased, yeah. but outside of Jordan, what would be who would be like your biggest winner from this documentary? Uh, guys who make documentaries, (laughs) 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 Uh, men and women who make documentaries. No, um, that's a great question. The, the, the one thing that I kept going back to was how fine the line was like 
Stockton and Malone were unbelievable. And those teams that Utah had were unbelievable. But now you hear people talking about their top tens and you'll never hear Stockton (laughs) Malone be mentioned because they didn't win. And Charles Barkley, uh, how fine the line was. He put up ridiculous numbers. But when you talk top tens, he never really makes it because he never won. And that's right. those Knicks teams were good. The Reggie teams were good. Like, I kept thinking about how fine the line was and remembering for me, like, I watched, like, that's my prime basketball watching time. And right. a lot of those teams were really good. And just, they went up against Jordan. And Akeem, because of the timing of his career, um, and the two titles they won gets the love that other guys didn't get. So for sure to me, it's like, um, it was just a great reminder of how good those other teams were and, and how the NBA needs New York to be relevant again. <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, okay. So flipping topics that are flipping sides who outside of Jerry Krause, who is the biggest loser from this documentary. Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen. Really? Yeah, I, I listen, I I um I feel like maybe I should qualify that because you know, like Gary Payton got it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gary yeah. Payton is now a meme. Um, Jordan laughing <laughs> at the iPad is now oh, yeah. going to live in infamy. It's phenomenal. Uh, there's a lot of people who got it. Um, Scott Burrell like, I don't even know. I think maybe Scott Burrell, people respect the fact that he never broke. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like Scott, I feel like they exploited Scottie Pippen's biggest weaknesses. And, right. and I know he said he couldn't do it without Scottie, but I, I don't feel like there was ever the, the comeback around on how great Scottie Pippen was. Um, yeah. And some of the great moments, like Scotty dunking on Patrick Ewing was like, Oof. if if you wanted to blow that up, you could have made that yeah. a lot bigger part of, you know what I mean? Like For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I feel like Scotty's uh, Scotty's free throw misses and, yeah. and Scotty sitting, which is, like, I don't know how you go back yeah. on that. Um, yeah. I feel like, like he got hurt the most and Phil Jackson and how he handled that. Uh, I think there's like a, yeah. a resurgence on Phil's the greatest coach of all time. So he, he got love out of that too. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next question. So is, so Michael Jordan in, in most people's minds and I'm sure in your mind, greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't go back. On, is it, I, I still go to a bad teacher. No, I still go to a bad teacher. Le- LeBron is unbelievable, <laughs> but when you go six and zero in the finals, and you are listen, we're splitting hairs of greatness. And when you do that, For I'm sure. not good at splitting hairs, as you can as you can tell. But when you're splitting <laughs> hairs of greatness, like you're going along these super super fine lines, yeah. and I feel like I have to say that because. But for me, when you go six and zero in the finals, and like you shine what what this showed was how Michael was so good in the biggest moments of his career. Like he was unbelievable. Yeah. Like he rose to the occasion. I remember when Keith Law, uh, the baseball writer, ESPN started talking about this. There's no such thing as clutch. And right. his, the, the, the point that he made was if you look at regular season numbers, you look at postseason numbers, they're the same. And, and my point was, 
my, my counter to that always has been there's a lot of guys who poop their pants in big spots, <laughs> right? Yep. That, that go the oh, other yeah. way. So show me, and, and Michael did the opposite. Michael came up big in the biggest moments over oh, yeah. and over and over again. And to, for me, that's, that, that's the ultimate sign of greatness is, one, you've got all the numbers to back up everything. And yeah. when it meant the most, you were the greatest. And the thing about Michael, too, that this documentary really sh- you know, shown a light on was Michael wasn't afraid to make the right pass. Yeah. So as much as he's going to take the big shot, if he gets double team, he's not going to put his team in the, in a bad spot by taking a ridiculously bad shot that pass to Paxson, Steve Kerr, he's willing to make that pass for his team to win. And I mean, to me, the biggest thing for me is obviously getting to see Jordan back in his prime and, and the reminder of just how deadly he was and how he would self-motivate by making up things. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I sent uh, it to you earlier. It was, um, it was like this, this play on the 10 part documentary. Some guy said, you know, Hey Mike, how you doing? Or like, how you feeling? Or are you feeling good today? And then Mike's like, what, what did he mean by this? Okay. Now I'm motivated to go after yeah. this guy, even though it's just like a, a pleasantry. Um, yeah, his list, his but, list was long. Oh yeah. And then even again, it was it was brought up during the documentary that he made up one of those those things where nobody said anything to him prior to the game. He just sort of made it yeah. up, and then he admits to it. And yeah. it's like that's greatness right there. That reminds me of my favorite basketball player, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So obviously MJ was first, and Kobe took it from him. But that's got mob mentality all all over it for me. Yeah, I but often like, wonder, like. You know, like Mamba mentality was in part Kobe, in part Nike, in part yeah. uh, an idea to make what he was palatable. And I wonder if he, right. I wonder if how much he learned of that Mamba mentality or the idea of the Mamba mentality from Mike and, oh, and sure. the acceptance of being like the end of episode seven for me when, when Mike's talking about leadership and, he starts to get emotional and he, he asked yeah. like how many people would be willing to do this. And Kobe was definitely one who For understood sure. that. And if I, I mean, I'd love to talk to Mike about this, but I, I got to think Mike told him, this is how you do it. Yeah. And Kobe tried. I mean, I, I, listen, he, if we're going to ever make the comparison of who is most like Mike, it is yeah. Kobe Bryant. But Kobe I mean, said it's, it himself. it's not anybody yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, it's nobody else. So I got I to gotta twist with you being a Mike guy now. I got to ask you this question. If the baseball players don't go on strike in 94 and we never see Michael play another basketball game again, is there a closer conversation of who the greatest basketball player is of all time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for me, uh, what LeBron James does at 6'8", 260, and yeah. his ability to pass and make others around him better. Um, you know, I think I think there's... I would love to, to do a long-form look, and I've never done it, uh, but I'd love to get a long-form look at his ability to create in the clutch. And what what right. he does because we know he misses free throws late, um, 
he does. we've seen that in his in his history. Um, but I think not against I think, the Raptors, unfortunately. I think if if you stop Mike at three, that's what you're saying. And he's three and zero, and he has three. I think I'd probably put LeBron ahead of him. Wow. Yeah. So, and then I guess would Kobe be number three? Like, where does Kobe then fall into that? Because then Kobe's got the five. Right? <sighs> See now, here's 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 where you're gonna hate me. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I think there's guys ahead of Kobe. I don't even. Okay. I don't even think Kobe's the best Laker of all time. Magic Johnson. Yeah, and if you if you talk to old school, Kareem might be better than. Him. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and depending mean, on who you talk to, it might be Kareem, Kobe, Magic. Then, it might be Magic, right. Kobe, Kareem. Um, and it helps that the Lakers have some of the greatest players of all time. I mean, your top right. ten list on ESPN <laughs> was basically half Lakers. Uh, that's it, right? <laughs> so uh, I just I think for me, true superstars make those around them better. And Kobe had flashes right. of making guys around him better. The, the second wave of Kobe, you could argue the Derek Fishers, the Pau Gasols, the like, but him and Shaq, yeah. I don't know if either of them made each other um, greater than what they could have been. And part of me right. wants to blame both of them for not seeing six right. together. Yeah. You know what I mean? For, uh, so I'm like, it's like sure. I take a mark off both of them for being selfish <laughs> in the moment and not being able to share the love, uh, just like I do in Toronto with Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That, <laughs> that is a good one. Tim, the teacher fire. has ruled. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, perfect. That, that's good. I, I'm I'm glad I got to talk about a little bit of MJ stuff. Now, I do want to talk about you know the early part of your career and how you sort of ended up where you are now. Because I mean, there's a ton of history here in not that long of a time, really. I mean, you went to Carlton. Like, let me yeah. preface all of this by trying to do research on you is one of the hardest <laughs> things to do. Yeah. Let me tell you that. The Wikipedia pages, the the deep dives into like school records, it's it's not extensive. You are like an international man of mystery. <laughs> I just thought that hiding famous. in plain sight. No, I, I disagree. I, I I strongly disagree with that. But from what I was able to find, obviously, I mean, you went to Carleton yeah. University. Did you grow up in Ottawa? No, or are you no. a Toronto. Guy? I grew up uh, Scarborough North York border in Toronto. Oh, okay, there um, go. I went uh, to a little Catholic school. Where are you from? I should know this. Uh, I grew up. I grew up. I grew up in Toronto. I went to like a, a northern secondary oh, okay. school. I'm not sure if yeah, you, yeah. yeah like Eglinton and, and uh, Eglinton and Mount Pleasant area. Yeah, shout out uh, Northern North Toronto, and yeah. uh, there's like three schools within like five inches yeah. of each other. <laughs> that's uh, that's North, right. We share the same street. Yeah. So I uh, I went to a little Catholic school called Senator O'Connor, which is uh, right. DVP Lawrence Victoria Park and okay. Lawrence area so it's not really far from northern uh no. at all but um so I, I grew up scarborough north york border and then i went to carlton for journalism uh, i want to yep. get into ryerson rta i didn't get in there but i got into carlton journalism so i went to carlton um i came home and i started working uh at bell mobility at the shepherd center in uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at uh young and shepherd and uh I was just like I, I need to get into where I was going, where I wanted to go. I always, right. I always knew I was a crappy athlete, uh, loved sports, 
And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try and get into sports journalism to stay close to sports. And, um, it didn't really work out for me at Carleton. So I just fell back into this career and I was like, I'm not, not, there's no way I can sell phones for the rest of my life. Like I just, (laughs) and there's nothing against selling phones. It's just, it wasn't for me. I I knew I wanted to be a part of sports and in sports. So that's how I, I literally cold called the score. I cold called, I cold called like 50 places. Nobody would take me. And then I cold called the score, which I watched all the time thinking, well, all these other places won't take me. There's no way this place will take me. And then they took me. So, <laughs> and is that when the score was still like their startup? Yeah, yeah. It was literally like so. For old school people, they they all they had was like scoreboards. Yeah. Before just the yeah, tickers, just tickers, and uh, they just started doing television things when I called them. Um, right. It was on television, but it was just scoreboards and tickers, and that was it. Uh, and that was pre like the proliferation of internet because you could get scores on the internet. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that's, so that was the start of that. Yeah. So that's right after they go from headline sports to the score. It was, there was still headline like, sports. Oh, there's yeah. still headline sports. Oh, wow. Okay. This is like 90, wow. okay. 9, 99. So when you end up at the score, um, you end up with a buddy of yours, Cabby Richards, yeah. <laughs> writing writing for was it Greg Sansoni and who else? Uh, Mark, were you writing for Mark Hebsher, uh, Greg Sansoni, right. Steve Coolius. Um, oh, Cooley! Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, uh, who else was there? Um, I guess that's it. Martin Geyer, I, I wrote for a lot, um, but it was a cool little click, and I don't know if Cabby. Um, I know you talked to Cabby, but it, it was me, yeah. it was Cabby, Sid was around, Adnan Verk was writing scripts yeah. at the same time. Um, and like, so we're just like literally getting food and doing the lowest <laughs> of the low. And like, I just right. named three of the, you know, bigger sportscasters to come from Canada. And we were literally sure. just writing stuff and like, you know, go there, go there, go there, go there, go get food. Yeah. Like that's, I didn't even have a job. I quit my job at Bell Mobility for two $50 shifts a week. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had to move back into my dad's house so that I could live off of $100 a week. But I was working like 40 hours easy yeah. for free. And then I only two shifts were paid. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. man. So that was me, Cabby, so that- Adnan, and Sid, among others. So then in 2011, is that your first shot when you get the radio show with Sid? I think, was that the, uh, was that the or was no, a- no, we had, uh, so we had score tonight was on the score. It was, right. uh, Sid and I co-hosted a nightly news show. Um, I had, uh, I was doing kind of play by play on, um, on other things at the score. I did play by play for national lacrosse league stuff. I did university sports in Canada, so I did a bunch of things. I had a show called Score in the NFL, which I started by writing on it, and then it grew into hosting it with Greg Sansoni. So we had a bunch of stuff at the Score, and then at 2011, um, it just it felt like the Score was dissipating. Like everyone had left, yeah. and they weren't investing any more money, and so we went to the radio show at the Fan. So when you're at the Score, I mean, growing up. 
that was I guess it's my generation, yeah. right? So I mean, there was TSN, there's Sportsnet, but it's a different demographic. What you guys were doing at the score was definitely. I don't want to say unconventional, but definitely ahead of its time yeah. with the comedic prowess of, of the score tonight. The one of my favorite moments of the score tonight was the Dion Phaneuf song. <laughs> the dun uh, dun Dion Phaneuf. I mean, I, that I, that hitting highlight reel is one of my favorite yeah. things when he was on the Calgary Flames and yeah. just steamrolling yeah. people. Um, and then obviously, you know, plays of the week and then you had cabbie on the street yeah. and then, you know, court surfing sort of morphed into that. What was your favorite highlight of working at the score? It was just that people like, um, a lot of people will tell broadcasters, um, that, that you be yourself and it's such an right. easy, um, <laughs> It's almost like it's it's BS, right? Like it's it's right. You're telling something like I always say, be yourself unless yourself is boring, then be somebody else. <laughs> like, <laughs> but there is a bunch of people on the score who are just allowed to grow, which means you're right. allowed to go out there and screw up. You're allowed to go out there and and try and do things that no one else was doing, and there wasn't someone there saying that's not how we do things. There are people there right. saying, okay. Uh, did that work for you? But there was no one saying, <laughs> stop being you. And right. I had a producer who just looked at me and goes, listen, you're a good enough writer. You're a good enough producer. Go out there and be you. And it was freeing. It was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, why, why wouldn't you? Why, yeah. why, would you, why would you try and be what you think people want you to be? And I was like, oh, that's amazing. You know? And so... <laughs> Um, the best part for me, the highlight for me was there was just a bunch of dudes being themselves and screwing up right. and still being supportive. Like there will never be, and I, I don't know if Cabby said the same thing, but there'll never be anything like the score ever again because, for sure. and, and maybe there'll be like some sort of internet place that would allow people to do that. But just the way that it shaped up and the way that TSN and Sportsnet were like the established culture and we could operate yeah. on the periphery without people saying you can't do this, you can't do that. But I don't know, like maybe barstool, like <laughs> you, you know, like I, what's I mean, the closest they live on the thing? Edge sometimes, yeah. yeah, and they go too yeah. far sometimes, and they do things that. But I've never seen anything like the score produced the people that have For produced, sure. and you know, still kind of be. I mean, we we may. I, we would outdraw on score tonight. We would outdraw some Sportsnet shows. We would never beat TSN, but we would beat Sportsnet. Right. But we never got the respect. Like nobody in the business said, "Oh, those guys are doing big things over there." But the right. hardcores who watched were like, "These guys are real." But it's funny you say that though, because you talked about towards the end it dwindling down, and I mean, you essentially just you guys start getting poached by everybody yeah. until the acquisition of. Sportsnet taking over Sportsnet 360, then ultimately yeah. taking over the score. Um, three hours is a long time for a daily show. I mean, yeah. you're talking 15 hours that you and Sid are now doing. How was it early on developing that relationship to be able to be with someone like Sid for three <laughs> straight hours every single day? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, track suits are amazing yeah. and, and his takes are amazing, but I mean, it, it does have to take some sort of relationship to, to in order to make it work yeah there's a lot of confidence that was built in each other over the years of being able to take 
and understand what the other guy wants to get across and right. what's important to the other guy. And there were tough talks along the way about like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of that. Um, but the, I think like we realized early that we had heard, you know, we had heard that other guys ended up hating, each, hating each other that worked together a lot. Right. And so we were just like, let's just be honest with each other because if you're not, you're just going to end up being pissed and resent the other guy. So we've For been sure. probably too on, like, I don't know how f- we're still good. We don't hang out much outside of work on purpose right. because we don't spend right. enough time working together. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you want to have those conversations at work yeah. on camera together. Right. right? right. And uh, you get sick. Of I each know. Other. I know. <laughs> Fair enough. I know uh, we're pressed for time. I want to ask you one last thing before I let you go. No, no, we can go. We can go um, like 10 more minutes if you want. Beautiful. Excellent. Okay. So I want to get this out because it's in, been in my mind ever since Cabby told me this. So I, I did talk to Cabby before our pod and I said, listen, I'm doing one with Tim and I want to get a great story uh, that probably hasn't made the airways before. <laughs> what can you give Uh-oh. me? And he said, Ask him if he's ever had an incident on an airplane. Oh, uh, that's not an uh-oh. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, uh, so we, uh, cabbie every once in a while when he would do cabbie on the street, he would bring me along. We would do stuff together. Um, I was always a big fan of his and I always enjoyed his segments. Um, and I loved his hustle and I loved his editing skills and, what people don't know is like he came up with his ideas. He funded his ideas. He would go into bars so that the bars would pay him to come. And then he would knock off like 10 episodes while he was there. So he says, right. I'm going to Calgary. I'm going to Cowboys. <laughs> and Cowboys was oh, like boy. the place. And we're going to play in a dodgeball tournament. You come play in the dodgeball tournament and you can hang out. I'm like, that's perfect. It's a free trip to Calgary. Go have some fun playing a dodgeball tournament. So um, we're, we start, we get on the plane, and literally um, five minutes into the turn off the seatbelt signs, uh, <laughs> yeah. I bite into a Pringle, and literally <laughs> my tooth explodes. <laughs> And I am I, I have I have broken my leg, I have torn my ACL, I have separated my shoulder, and nothing came close to the pain <laughs> that I was in. So what happened was I didn't know it at the time. I had an abscessed tooth that basically right. exploded. Um, upon a, a Pringle. Uh, on a Pringle <laughs> at the start of a four and a half hour to five hour flight to Calgary. So in the in this plane. I'm just like rocking back and forth in excruciating (laughs) pain. So like, and I, like I've broken my leg. It was not close to the same pain that I was in. (laughs) And the flight attendants are like walking by and like, are are you okay? And I have my man D beside me and Cabby on the other side. (laughs) And, uh, Cabby might even been first class, who knows, (laughs) but big time. time And, uh, I'm like, I have a tooth problem. Blah, blah, blah. I, I just, and I'm sweating and I'm in pain. <laughs> and uh, like about an hour and a half in, like this is just torture. Like just 
yeah hours worth of torture about an hour and a half and i just get up and i have to walk to the back and the the flight attendants are just looking at me like are you gonna make it and i'm sweating and i'm pale as a ghost i'm like yeah i'll be, I'll be fine I'll be and this dude walks back and um he goes i heard that you have teeth problems and i was like yeah and he goes uh i played pro hockey for uh 12 years in europe take one of these and he, op- <laughs> he opens up this like little pillbox and at this oh, like, boy. he could have given me like straight opium and i would have popped it <laughs> at, at this point in time and it was like literally a lifesaver and i put it in my, and it was it, i asked him i said what is it and he said it's it's a little stronger than tylenol 3 <laughs> and so i go all right and i just i popped it and it was a lifesaver and he showed me his like he took out my dad played some minor pro hockey uh, you can't see the picture behind me but he's my dad's basically his top shelf is all yeah. fake teeth and this guy took right. out his plate and he had like everything was Jeez. gone so i realized he knew the pain he knows what he's that, talking about he knew the pain that i was going through <laughs> And so uh, we landed in Calgary, drove straight to a dentist, and the dentist is like, uh, "I can give you some drugs for this, and I'll, it'll the, the the infection will go away, but I can't I can't do anything until right. the infection goes away." So <laughs> we literally were in Calgary partying, and then every once in a while, I would have excruciating tooth pain, and I have to go back <laughs> to the hotel, take one of these. Uh, medications and hope that the pain would go away. So I guess my final question is, did you guys win the dodgeball tournament? <laughs> I think we finished second. <laughs> I Aww. think we, I think we came by the end of it. And listen, I don't know. Did you grow up playing Burby? No, no. Wall I didn't. ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah wall ball. Yeah. So yeah, in yeah. Scarborough, we call it Burby. But so I had literally have like, 10 good throws in my arm and then it falls off dead. yeah because i've played too many sports <laughs> in my life and so uh by the end of this tournament it felt like my arm was hanging by a thread like there's no nothing left in my arm <laughs> and i'm like cab all i can do is catch now so you're on your own homie and i think we finished <laughs> second hey that's that's not bad but i mean one one hell of a story to be able to tell right yeah. that's I, I feel like we have better stories, but I don't know if I want to tell them with my son still here playing 2K now. Fair enough. Now we're maybe we're going to have to come back yeah, again yeah, after dark. The after dark edition. Um, <laughs> so we, we've seen, the viewers have seen Tim go on his rants, and very rarely, but it does sometimes happen where there is a soapbox you want to get on to have a say of something. Yeah. What has been probably the biggest issue that you've ever had on your Tim and Sid show where you felt you really needed to address it and felt very passionate about it? I don't know. That's a, I feel like there's too many answers to that question. Like, I feel like, um, <laughs> cause again, I know a recent one was the golden state warriors. Um, it had to do with their fans, right? It was, or the hate on the golden state. Yeah. Warriors. Yeah. One of the ones, one of the ones that kind of went viral in the States that I, that yeah. I did was on the Warriors um, and how they how they earned um, the right to woo other players and they did it the right, right. way. 
Um, I was pretty passionate about that, but I like, there's been some social justice things that I've been much more passionate about, but because of the, um, I feel like the Golden State Warriors is easy. It goes easy, goes viral easier because there's no, right. um, you know, there's no political tie or, you know, there's no worry about what it is. You can just pick one side or the other. Uh, either right. you hate them or you love them. And uh, a bunch of Warriors fans took that and ran with it. But there's been a bunch of them. Like I, you know, defensemen in Canadian markets pisses me off because every defenseman <laughs> in every Canadian market sucks unless he's right. like the greatest player of all time. Um, <laughs> you know, like everyone gets booed out. Um, I find uh, baseball fans in Toronto overrate their players remarkably. Um, that's something I'm, just a, yeah, just, yeah, just a yeah. little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> that's something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, like I love John McDonald too, but uh, does he call legend? Like, I don't know, you know, Munanori Kawasaki couldn't hit uh, my weight 15 years ago, but he's still a legend in Toronto. You know, like, um, so there's, there's like, there's a bunch of them. I feel like I'm cutting you short on that answer, but That's okay. I feel like there's been a bunch of things that I've been really passionate about, but, um, and I think that's kind of what we have to do on our show is find passion even if uh, even if not everyone agrees with it, you got to kind of find passion because that's what that's when people. I find that's how people gravitate to you if, if your passion's authentic and they feel your passion. And that was the one thing about the right. score that was different. You could tell by watching that everyone who was on the score loved sports and right. loved whatever they were working on, and that was a big differentiator. So for me, I feel like I. If you ask, like, if you said, what's your favorite sport? I'd be like, I got to fight you. Like, <laughs> I'm not picking one. Like, I just, I love right. sports. And I feel the same way about, like, all right, if, if I have to pick something, you know, maybe it's blank, blank, or blank. But if you're not passionate about, you know, 100 things, then you're in the wrong business. All right. Two more things, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. Sure. First one is favorite, or I mean, not favorite. What sport has the best plan or what sport are you most excited to see return first? So if you had to pick one, right. which one would it be? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I, I like the NHL's latest proposal about the 24 teams and kind of the play in. And I think that they, they're going to do it right, but, or they're going to try and do it right. But I think that we're right. all in a better spot if football is allowed to return with 40 dudes uh, playing a contact sport <laughs> with a contact disease out there. So if football's back, I'll be most excited because I think it'll be, we'll be closer to getting back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Right. Uh, I think that hockey has a great plan. I think basketball will look probably the closest to what um, it used to look like. And because right. of the way, you know, like uh, in New York, when you're playing at MSG, um, you hardly see the crowd anyway. Like it, right. it, it, it's, it's there. And especially yeah. at MSG, it's been silent for a while. <laughs> but but, <laughs> Ooh, there but you basketball, go. you have like uh, you have kind of like the focus is on the players and the crowd doesn't play as big a role sometimes. Right. Um, so I think that'll look the most normal. 
I, I love the way that hockey is just embracing this and we're just going to, we're going to go and we're going to try a few things. I think that might end right. up working out really well for them. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of things in hockey that you wouldn't see if this weren't a global pandemic. And that kind of excites me. Right. You know? All right. Excellent. And so last thing you said, you are a basketball head. Right. What did it mean to you to be doing all of the work you did in Jurassic Park last year and then having it culminate with a championship in arguably, you know, the best fan base in yeah. North American sports. Yeah. It, 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 to me, it legitimized what I had been arguing for years. And that was that basketball would grow into a spot in Canadian culture where um, it wasn't just, oh, well, Canada is a hockey country. And I love, like, right. listen, give me one second. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. I, got a I was listening. Tim is, Tim is grabbing dad. some sort of, oh, there we is go. Oh, very nice. Right. So I grew up in this is hockey he the man family. In the... This is my dad winning yes. a senior A championship. In, okay. uh, in Windsor, Ontario. Okay. So I shout out Windsor. All I, right. I like, I love hockey and I always felt like, sorry, I'm going to put this in so that you can hear me better. Um, I love hockey and I always felt like there was this idea like, Oh, basketball's infringing on our sport. And I right. never looked at it that way. Like there's the two could coexist. Yeah, the two could coexist easily. And it happens in, every market in the United States of America. Like Boston doesn't say, Oh my God, the Patriots are taking away from the Bruins shine. <laughs> right. Like, right. and no one says the Bruins winning a championship hurts the Celtics. Like that just doesn't happen. Right. And I kept saying to hockey fans that were, you know, just crapping all over basketball because they, they felt like it was somehow infringing upon this idea that Canada, like Canada will always have, hockey culture but there was room yeah. for this thing to grow and to see the raptors to, to see the build and i don't think you have the explosion without the misery of the first 24 years and without the guys yeah. leaving and without chris bosh and without vince carter and without demar DeRozan, and there was just kind of this perfect build to this moment and then the actual uh, manifestation of everyone seeing that thing grow to what it was and how it represented the city of Toronto so perfectly, um, you know, like culturally, um, the demographics of it and, and every, every step of the way when I was saying it's going to be this, I started seeing yeah. that. And then you have a championship parade that was, uh, Bananas. Yeah, it was <laughs> unlike anything that I've ever seen before, and I was here for I was on Young Street for the Jays when when they won. Like I was there, so it was right. it was it was an unbelievable outpouring of like finally, and we told you so, and all of the build that went into it, and it was. Honestly, it was one of the craziest things that I've ever seen in my life, and I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever forget it. Never mind the fact that right. um, we sold commercial free rights to that on Sportsnet, 
So when it got delayed, we never went to commercial. And it was seven hours straight. (laughs) Right. You were just going. I was just Just talking. So it was like, for me, it was literally uh, all that stuff wrapped into um, the manifestation of what I thought was going to be um, where it would end up. I didn't think it would be that quick. And the fact that right. Canada got behind this team and understood it and, and, and even stopping the inferiority complex that we had around right. ourselves, like always looking for the U S to kind of give us the credit that we just took it. And in right. Canada, we just took it and ran with yeah. it and it built. And there was, there's no taking that back. That parade will always live forever. And so for me, it was, uh, to be on that, you know, that first to go to games at the dome, um, when the Raptors didn't exist to (laughs) hosting court surfing and people saying, ah, that's the the basketball. Like we got to have hockey on. You can't, you can't do basketball. And I was just like, yeah, like I, listen, I love hockey. I grew up hockey, but this thing's real. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to work. It's not going to, yeah, yeah it's not going yeah, away anytime yeah, it's soon. It's going to work. And then to have, you know, uh, 2 million people downtown, uh, for a party. was just unbelievable. Yeah. It was definitely a spectacle to watch in. I mean, watching it either on TV or being there live, being a resident of Toronto, it's a memory that no one will ever soon forget. No in their lifetime they will tell their kids of stories were you there of this 2000 i i was actually able to get off of work but there was no way that i was going to be able to commit an entire day of being stuck (laughs) downtown with two small children at home my wife would have killed me if i if i made that commitment so um i watched from from tv and and got to see you i mean you were hosting obviously beside was it breakfast television yeah yeah yeah, so I mean, it was uh, it was it was fun to watch. I'm sure it was fun to be yeah. there, but I mean, the clear out of that place must have been just ridiculous. Yeah, it was there was an energy, an unbelievable energy, and even when people tried to literally shit on the parade, they couldn't. You know, they yeah, couldn't. no. It, listen, Marcus All was living his best life <laughs> for sure. Yeah, M- MVP <laughs> of the parade, Marcus All. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Tim, I appreciate you doing this. This has been amazing and fun, and hopefully, sometime in the future, you'll be willing to come back and do it again. Maybe when sports gets back, I know you got a busy schedule. Um, last thing, your favorite, your son's favorite two K team to play with. Um, and that's that's like a trick question because he like creates his own team. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. I will it's say it's there. There's there's their Raptor colors. They're old school purple colors oh, on okay. his on his team so i guess whatever team it is there's a little raptors uh, there's a little raptors there flair go. to it but excellent but, well well thank you very much for doing this i appreciate it and uh, i mean good luck with everything hopefully you guys have some sports to actually talk <laughs> about sometime sometime soon and i can't wait to see uh sit back trying to fit into a suit on, on live air <laughs> i appreciate it and i appreciate you having me on uh be well awesome uh like everyone you, else sir. watching and listening uh be well because it's important and do good things yeah shout out frontline uh workers you are the biggest advocate for frontline health workers or frontline workers anywhere actually you give credit at least once a day yeah, I try through your Instagram post and on your Twitter. And I mean, it's refreshing to see you use your platform 
for good because you do have quite a bit of big following. Um, so thank you for, for being such a good member yeah. of our society and, and promoting those I, I, who I, should be getting yeah, the credit. I, I firmly believe it's, it's easy to be an asshole on Twitter and it's easy to be, you can tell my son's <laughs> gone to bed now cause I've dropped. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's easy to be uh, an asshole on Twitter. It's way harder to actually go out and do good. And listen, I'm right. I'm at home. I'm, I'm, I'm not, on the front lines. I am nowhere near the front lines. I'm not, I'm just inspired by people who instead of bitching and complaining on Twitter are actually doing good work and doing good things. And I firmly believe in people doing good things, being rewarded for those things, even if it's just the tip of the cap, as it were. That's it. All right. Thank you very much for doing this. Be safe and uh, good luck with everything in the future. Thanks, Julian. Appreciate it. Have a good one.